Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Hockey is a funny game. Connor Sherry looked like he was headed for the press box as a healthy scratch. But then Zach Aston Reese got hurt and Carterani played terrible. Opportunity knocked. Sherry answered. Sherry played decent on the fourth line. Then at Philadelphia last night, Brian Russ got hurt. Sherry jumped up the since line. Sherry scored two goals to help beat the old enemy 5-2. 5-2 in goals, 5-2 in cups. Whammy! One of Sherry's goals was a grit goal. He went to the net but didn't do a flyby. Sherry stopped at the blue paint and banged in a rebound. Give Sherry credit. He might be the size of Kenny the Kangaroo, but last night he displayed a heart the size of the Thunderbolt. That's a big game for the Penguins, and it's a big game for Connor Sherry. Maybe Sherry can stay on Sid's line for now, because that's certainly Sherry's best spot. Sick again. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since... 1956. Uh, apparently, the Sopranos prequel is going to go way back to the 60s and follow Johnny and Junior Soprano. That's Tony's father and uncle. Hey, I will definitely watch it. Like I said, David Chase, the creator, he's the ace in the deck. Let's go to Melvin in Altoona. Melvin. You're on with Double M. What up, Big Sexy? What up, man? Hey, Kevin Stevens or Dan Marino? Who could do more blow? Yeah, goodbye. Let's go to Chuck in the car. Chuck. Well, actually, I gave your mother like an eighth, and she banged everybody on my block, and that includes the animals. So if you want to put her in the conversation, let's get out the big mirror. Let's go to Chuck in the car. Chuck, you're on with Double M. Yeah, hey, hey, Mark. This isn't. I, I'm not. This isn't a, a gotcha or anything like that. But it's a legitimate question about the drug use in our society. Uh, you're, and I'm happy for Kevin Stevens' sobriety. But you have often ridiculed Steelers, current Steelers who have smoked pot or anything. I called them potheads and druggies using Martavis Bryant and living on. Well, I called them pothead losers. Is what I've called them. Right, but what difference is with what they're doing and what Kevin Stevens' drug addiction drug addictions has been? Because they got suspended for it. But is it really, they got suspended for it. Well, first off, I can say whatever I want. I get that. Okay, second off, these guys forfeited millions of dollars because they had to smoke pot. These guys hurt the team because they had to smoke pot. Martavis Bryant has probably irreparably damaged his career because he had to smoke pot. See what I'm getting at? Could Kevin Stevens' career been longer had he not been on the drugs that he was on? He had a pretty long and prosperous career, didn't he? He could did, could but... it have been better? Perhaps. Maybe if he hadn't broken his face, it could have been better. If you want to cut right to the chase of this, Kevin Stevens is my friend, and I'm going to support him. And I don't like Le'Veon Bell or Martavis Bryant. Is that clear enough? Uh, okay, this, this, is, this is the Mark Madden show. This isn't the do what's right in the perception of Chuck the Caller show. It's the Mark Madden show. Did you get it? I, you're being honest about it. At least Absolutely, being I'm being honest. honest. Believe me, I am loyal 
beyond loyal. And that, and that is, no, 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 let me tell you something. Loyalty is a valuable and diminishing commodity, and I'm proud that I am. Leaves the line open, 412-333-9939. Hold it. Here's some terrible news. Remember the Butta Bing strip joint in the Sopranos? That was a real club, Satin Dolls. And it was forced to cease live entertainment Sunday by state officials. I love Butta Bing. I remember when Gina Lynn, the porn girl, performed uh, on the Sopranos. What if she... Pimped herself out to any of the cast. Gina Lynn danced the cheerleaders. I think it was still Bear Elegance then. And a guy comes up to me. Swear to God. And Gina Lynn's super hot and she's super nice. And I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to anyway. Guy comes up to me. I'm, I'm watching Gina Lynn up at the stage. She goes, boy, she's hot, huh? And I go, yeah, she is hot. He goes, do you want to blank her? As in screw her? As in F her? I go, huh? He goes, yeah. He goes, 900 bucks. And I go, really? Who are you? Oh, I'm her husband. And I go, wow. And they say romance is dead. What happened after that? 900's a, a lot of money. I, sh- You know what? I have, I should have done it. Because I like have, well, you people would be shocked. I always brag about how much money I make. What I should brag about is how much money I've saved. And I'm going to be like, not the richest guy in the graveyard, not by a long shot, but i got to start spending money. And to that end, I need your help. I meant to say this yesterday. I can't find Diet Right Pure Zero caffeine-free cherry cola again. I can find the cola, you know, without cherry. I need help. I need someplace close to Green Tree, or in the North Hills, and tweet me, don't call me, at Mark Madden X, that has the Diet Right Pure Zero caffeine-free cherry cola. I got to get it, if only because it's such a great mixer. It is. You mix, like, you know, rum with that, uh, it is delightful. Yes. Let's go to Jason and Freedom. Jason, you're on the Mark Madden Show. You stole my Mark. What? I just got to tell you one thing. All these people are calling in. They're saying, oh, he's put up great statistics. He's done this. He's done that. Le'Veon Bell is a distraction. Well, no, I don't think he is a distraction. But but I think there are tangible uh, problems with, with what he's done. He had three bad games last year. I think the Steelers only lost one of those. They started out two and one if memory serves. But uh, – but, I agree with you, but I don't think that I think they have so many distractions. No one distraction hurts. All right. Well, I, I just want to weigh in. But, but again, nobody has come up. Uh, I don't know if this was your intent, but nobody's given me evidence that that he had a better season last year than Todd Gurley. He just did not have a better season last year than Todd Gurley. Now, if you want to say Bell's a better back than Todd Gurley, just because he is, everyone knows he is. He's a stiller. We know he is. Then okay, that's not a great argument, but 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 okay. But there is no way to say that Bell was better than Gurley last year. Now you could say no. you'd rather have Bell. That's a different argument. Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm a, a diehard Steeler fan, but I just don't like the fact that he hasn't played a whole season 
from start to finish. If he did that, then he'd be like the next Barry Sanders. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know, you know what? I don't. He, he hasn't missed a ton of games either. The suspensions bother me more than the injuries. Bro, the you. way the league is now, guys get hurt, especially running backs. That's why they have such a short shelf life. Thank you for the call. I expected more gloating from Penguin fans today. I'm at the Schenker concert. My buddy's checking his smartphone. one nothing Penguins. 2-1 Flyers. I'm pissed. That was right in the middle of armed and ready that the Penguins trail 2-1. to one. one of my favorite MSG songs. Then about 20 minutes later, maybe a half hour, by that point, Graham Bonnet's finishing up his set. Robin McCauley's coming up to sing, and it's 4-2. And I'm thinking, boy, can Robin McCauley hold the lead? As it turned out, he did, Doogie White did. Then they started passing the mic back and forth between all four singers, and Gino slid it right into the empty net. Then I went home and watched it, and it was every bit as good as I imagined. It never gets old beating those guys. I had somebody tweet today, well, they're not that good. Are you happy about beating a team that's not that good? The answer is yes. It's like my mother once told me. Son, they say never kick a man when he's down. But it's the best time. He's lying right there. That wasn't my mother. Maybe my grandmother. Actually, it might have been my grandmother. She said some stuff not fit for... She was a genteel woman, very rich. They talked kind of different back then. Let's go to Jason in Steubenville. Jason. You're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? I just want to talk a little bit about Le'Veon Bell. Um, well, I mean, this is a passing game now. Okay? We it's got the a, best it's receivers a, It's in the a league. passing league. The, the league way league, football right. is set up yep. with the rules and the way teams approach it offensively, it's a passing league. You are correct, sir. Thank you very much. And I just want to say, do you think Le'Veon Bell is expendable now? No, no, no. Expendable is too strong a word. Okay. The only thing you got to determine about Le'Veon Bell is do you want to pay him, you know, $13.3 million a year or even more than that? Do you want to pay him what he wants, $14.5 million a year? I just can't pay him that much. But they might. It's their money. It's their team. You know what else I kind of come back to, though? And by the way, I've had people uh, tweet me that the reason the Seahawks are cutting Richard Sherman is because he blew out his Achilles not because he's a pain in the ass. Let me tell you something. They would stick with him through recovery with that Achilles if he wasn't a giant pain in the ass. The pain in the ass thing isn't the total reason they're getting rid of Richard Sherman, but you'd be foolish to say that it's not a contributing factor. But uh, the Lev Bell thing, I keep wondering. Here's a question not many people ask, maybe because... Nobody knows the answer but one guy. What's Art Rooney's choke point? When is he going to say, I just had enough of Le'Veon Bell, enough of his shenanigans, I don't want to pay that much money. The six running backs in the Super Bowl last year made $7.2 million between them. We can find another way. Also, and I don't know if Art Rooney's thinking this, I'm sure Mike Tomlin is not thinking this, but they both should be thinking this. It's great that they've had Ben... Bell and Braun, the killer bees. It's great that they've had all this offensive weaponry. It's great that one side of the ball is totally stacked. It hasn't worked. They have this great offense. It's a lot of fun. Steelers, a lot of fun to watch. 
it hasn't worked. Now, that's not to say that a drastic realigning, like getting rid of Bell and using that money on defense, is not to say that would work. You know, spending that money would have no guarantees. And that's the thing that works most in Le'Veon Bell's favor in terms of staying here is that he's already here. You know what you have with Le'Veon Bell. But this way hasn't worked. Now, hasn't it worked because it has some deficiency that they can't see? Has it not worked because repetition doesn't sharpen, it dulls? People think it's one way, it's actually the opposite. Repetition doesn't sharpen, it dulls. I'm not applying that to practice rep stuff like that, but in terms of the makeup of a team that hasn't succeeded, repetition doesn't sharpen, it dulls. But but again, my original point is it hasn't worked. And maybe the way the alternative wouldn't work either. But if I were Rooney, Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, I'd be wondering about that. Why hasn't this worked? And that considering Le'Veon Bell wants way too much money anyway, I would wonder what a shakeup via not having him anymore might do, whether it would be for better or for worse. Now, you notice I'm not saying ditch Bell. I'm not saying like the last caller did, he's expendable. I'm saying that since Le'Veon Bell has created the situation, not the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell's created it. He's the guy that won't take $13.3 million per season. He's the guy that wouldn't take $42 million over the first three years of the contract. Le'Veon Bell did that, not the Steelers. Since Le'Veon Bell has created the situation, how could anyone deny that it would be, wouldn't be smart? How can anybody say it wouldn't be smart for the Steelers to consider all options, including those that might develop as a result of not having Le'Veon Bell? 412-333-9939. My God, check this out. Jeremy Fowler just tweeted from ESPN. Even with Braun's restructure, between Bell, Braun, and Ben, they carry, you know, assuming Bell comes in on the franchise tag, they carry a combined cap hit of $45.65 million. Maybe that just doesn't work. Todd Gurley, his cap hit's only $4 million change. 1059X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, huge fan. You're talking to the super genius. No doubt, Double M. Hey, Mark, do the best onion ring. Ooh. The X at 1059. Uh, somebody just tweeted a photo, and I retweeted it. Some looks like a, a, a high school kid wearing a Penguins jersey holding up a sign that said 1975 at the Wells Fargo Center last night. And down in the corner. Of the sign, 1975 is like real big letters. Down in the corner of the sign, it has LOL. LOL, indeed. I wish I could find that kid's identity. I'd like to speak with him on the show. He is a hero to us all. And he went there. He's just some scrawny high school kid with this big mop of hair. And nobody touched him. Nobody beat his ass. Philadelphia is the biggest phony, tough city anywhere. They say they're tough, but they're phony tough, which is to say, not tough at all. I'm going to go down there one of these days and violate the Kate Smith statue again. 412-333-99. By violate, I mean put paint on it, black and gold paint. You can't violate a statue in that sense. And, of course, today is International Women's Day also known as Make Your Own Sandwich and Get Your Own Beer Day. 
we've had so many great women athletes on this show and a few female sports writers and media types as well. But I always think when I hear something like International Women's Day, does that mean every other day of the year they shouldn't get an even break? Like National Pancakes Day. Is that the only day you can eat pancakes? You know where I almost stopped last night? I'm trying to cut, you know, I'm never going to cut carbs out, but I'm trying to cut carbs down. I'm on my way back from uh, Homestead, the Carnegie Library Music Hall where the Michael Schenker group was. There's an IHOP uh, on your way up to Greenfield and Squirrel Hill from the Homestead High Level Bridge. There's an IHOP. It's open 24-7. Boy, was that tempting. That was tempting. Instead, I pulled over at the Safeway convenience store and got like a 99-ounce coffee. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Chuck in the truck. Chuck, you're on with Mark. Hey, what up, man? What up, man? Hey, I was just calling about this beautiful Pens game in Philadelphia. It was great. Connor Sheary showing up. But I have one problem. Why do we have football commentary for the whole first period? I didn't want. I, I like. I fast forwarded. Like, did they have? They had like a Philadelphia Eagle on doing color, right? Or two of them, right? Yeah, bro. It's like I always say. If you don't like the announcing, turn the sound down and put on <laughs> put on the Michael Schenker Group or Zeppelin, White Snake, UFO, something. I never let the announcers get me mad. I just don't. I just don't understand why people allow that. Now, what sucks is Enzo was doing color. He's had the problem recovering from chemotherapy, and he was getting preempted for these idiotic Philadelphia football players. That I didn't like. Let's go real quick to Sean and Sheridan. Sean, you're on with Double M. Hey, Big Sexy. What up, man? What up, man? Uh, a quick question, uh, a comment, rather, about the repetition deal with the Steelers. I think that they may have kind of co- solved the problem with that, with getting rid of Haley. I don't see Lebel as part of the problem. I see him as part of the solution. Haley being gone, I think. Is okay, how did Haley restrain Lev Bell? He, like, led the world in offensive touches last year. I'm not saying he restrained him. I'm just saying getting rid of Haley may be a good part. Tell me, okay, okay, here's the thing. Tell me exactly how getting rid of Haley will benefit the Steelers' offense. I think it will, too, because Ben and Fickner will work better together. But you tell me why Haley leaving will make the Steelers' offense better. Exactly what you said earlier. Okay, so no original thought on your part. Good. Thank you for the call. I don't like that Haley. It'll be better without that Haley. Man, I get so many simpletons who call this show. Then again, that's pretty much the talent pool. Up next, Josh Owey, Talking Hockey, 105.9. X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? We're all going to rock to the rules I make. Double M, big fan. How you like it now, bitch? The X at 105.9. Penguins with a great win at the Wells Fargo last night in Philadelphia. Joining me now to discuss from theathletic.com, it's Josh Owey. Josh, first off... Any updates on Brian Rust and Dominic Simone, who both left the game injured last night? Uh, not as of yet. I saw both of them after the game going out through the team bus, Mark, and, you know, 
you can't really tell much. Russ was on his cell phone walking past me. At least he didn't appear to be in any great distress, although I'm sure a concussion is the primary concern with him. Uh, Simone has a lower body injury. Didn't look like he was limping for what that's worth. Maybe that's a good sign, but uh, probably will not be an official report until tomorrow as the team was off today. Hag of the Flyers knocked Russ heading to the boards. Was that a dirty hit? What was your uh, viewpoint on that? Well, he certainly left uh, his uh, skates left the ice, so it certainly was warranting warranting a penalty. Uh, was it dirty? I don't know. I didn't think it was terrible. I, I've certainly seen far worse infractions in that building of all places. So compared to some of the things I've seen there, I, I barely noticed it. But uh, I thought it was worthy of a penalty. I didn't think it was suspension worthy though. Connor Sheary got back in the mix when Russ got hurt. He jumped up to Sid's line. It's funny how Sid, Sheary, and Gensel didn't work for quite some time, but last night it clicked out of nowhere. Certainly did. It was about a year ago at this point, Mark, when that line just took off, and for about a month, that was the best line in hockey by far. Um, You know, Sherry and, and Mike Sullivan admitted it after the game. Sherry is just an incredibly streaky player. We all know that, but uh, the fact is, He's only ever really been productive at the NHL level when he's playing on Sidney Cross's line. So maybe you leave him there. Maybe you leave those three together, and if they work, you know, that can make the other lines that much deeper if Sherry's going to be productive in that spot. I don't know for how long he will be, but I do know this. Uh, Sidney Cross has not been happy with his winners for a lot of this season, and I don't think he minds playing with Sherry. He likes playing with fast guys. Uh, Jake and Sherry can both really skate. Um, maybe it's not the answer in the playoffs. I don't know, but for the short term, maybe this will get Sid going. I thought he played the best game he's played in a long time last night. Well, I think Sherry can play with Sid, but the problem is Sherry is just so inconsistent. And Josh, that dates back all the way to last year, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's he's one of the streakiest players we've ever seen. He was so bad in that Columbus series in the first round that it just completely derailed him for the short term anyway. Uh, he had a great season last year, and he was so bad in that series, by the time the conference final rolled around, he was a healthy scotch. Um, you don't really ever know what you're getting from him, and I think especially if, if they would happen to play a bigger, more physical team, like a Columbus or a Washington in the playoffs, he might be really ineffective. He often is ineffective against those kinds of teams. He's just too small. He, he has trouble with bigger players. But that said, if he can kind of uh, you know get on a hot streak here and if that line can click again, uh, that's not a bad thing. Is it just me, or is Jamie Alexiak stepping up and stepping into a big role with the Penguins and on a lot of different levels, Josh? You know, Mark, it's funny. Um, after games, people in my business, we have to figure out an angle to write about, and I wrote about Sherry last night. But if I wouldn't have written about him, uh, I would have written about Jamie Alexiak, who keeps getting better and better, and it's in all phases of the game, Mark. His defensive work has been exceptionally good. I mean, you, it's night and day from December until now where this guy is, and, and you sense that there's a ceiling for even something better. And his work in the offensive zone, he's got that hard shot, he gets it on net, and he's not afraid to shoot the puck, which I really appreciate it. Now, it's not really a Penguin thing to just put it on net. I know that's not how they're wired. It's not in their DNA, but it's how he plays. And the coaching staff really likes it about him. This guy, to me, is becoming a top-four caliber defenseman, and I sure as heck didn't think I was going to say that in December. But uh, he's a different player now, and I can't begin to say how impressed I am with him. Alexiak headbutted Manning uh, in that little scrum after time had expired last night. I was very happy to see that, by the way. But do you expect any <laughs> supplemental discipline for Alexiak? 
Uh, if so, I think it will be minor. Um, given the score of the game and the building that they were in, I, I think uh, logic would indicate that the Flyers had a little more to do with that situation than the Penguins did. And I love that Alexiak did that. In fact, I spoke with him before the game about it. Uh, he said, listen, I don't expect much in the way of fisticuffs, but if it happens, I'm going to be the first guy to take care of it. And, and you saw what he did last week in Boston when uh, Zidane Chara was starting to take some liberties. He went right off the bench and went right up to him and challenged him. I, I assure you that will go a long way in the locker room, and especially with Ryan Reeves out of the picture now. Uh, I think they need somebody to, to handle that responsibility against certain teams. And uh, whether he gets a little fine or not, I, I think the Penguins absolutely appreciated it. We're talking to Josh Shelley of TheAthletic.com. Josh is brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Josh, is Evgeny Malkin the best hockey player in the world right now? Because at 1.77 points per game over the last 26 games, that's hard to argue against. Uh, he sure is, Mark. Um, to me, it's not even a debate. Uh, 46 points in his last 26 games. Those are Lemieux and Gretzky numbers. We don't see that in the game anymore. We just don't. And I am amazed that when you hear people talk about the MVP race, all you hear about is Nikita Kucherov and Taylor Holland. Listen, those guys are both having wonderful seasons. But how Malcolm can't be in the race, if not the front runner at this point, is beyond me. Um, the way he has altered the Penguins' attack and just changed everything in the last two months. And, you know, Crosby and Kessel, yeah, they've been really good, but Malkin is on a completely different level. He's doing it every night. Um, you know, I don't know that we've ever seen him play at this level, and that's saying something. And this is a guy who won a Conn Smythe Trophy in 2009, who had that wonderful MVP season in 2012. Uh, it's hard to believe it, but at age 31, this might be his greatest season, and this is just a historic run he is on right now. And uh, you know, I have an MVP vote, and if I had to vote right now, he'd probably get my vote. I, I just think he's been that overwhelmingly good. Well, let's stay with that. Why is Gino this good now? There's a lot of components, but he just never seems to get rattled anymore like he used to, and I think that helps a great deal. I agree with that. I think the natural maturity has played a role. I give Mike Sullivan some credit as well. Um, he told Malkin earlier in the season, I want you to shoot the puck more, and Malkin wasn't doing it. So he put him with Carl Hagelin and Patrick Hornquist, two guys who can't really create much offense on their own. And it forces Malkin to shoot the puck. So I think that plays a role. And one other thing, Mark, uh, two years ago, Malkin decided to take his summer training a lot more seriously than he ever had in the past. And he told me on a couple of occasions that he felt slow. Uh, the game had gotten so fast at the NHL level, he felt slow. He mentioned McDavid and some of the other superstars who were so fast. And he wanted his skating to get better, and it has. I mean, he is skating circles around people right now. So I think if you add up all of those things um, – I don't know if it's the best we've seen him play, but I think this season's in the running. He, he's doing some really special things right now. Is it fair to say Tristan Jari has won the number two job and maybe calmed everybody down about the goaltending situation? Yeah, I really think he has, Mark. Um, you know, Jari and the Smith really struggled that game in Boston. They were both in a bit of a rut. And then Jari gets that game against the Islanders. He gave up that horrible goal, and even Sullivan said afterwards he didn't even know what he was doing. But from that point on, I think that was the moment where everyone said, oh, man, maybe Jari's about to collapse. And, and instead, just the opposite happened. He really got it together. I think he's played three really good games in a row. He was good last night. Um, the Flyers made a, a huge push in the second period where they really controlled play, and they made a couple of pushes in the third, and I thought his rebound control was excellent. 
He just has a sense of composure about him. It kind of matches his personality. He's a really calm, laid-back kid. And you could see it last night. He wasn't rattled. The uh, first game ever in that building, that can be a little daunting for a young goaltender. And he didn't seem to mind at all. And there's no question now, I think, after the last three games, he will be the number two behind Matt Murray when Murray is back. Is it just me, or is Derek Brassard still adjusting to the Penguins' high-tempo style of play after playing in that 1-3-1 system in Ottawa? Yeah, I think that's fair. He, he hasn't been especially good. Uh, I thought against the Islanders and Flames in those two home games, he looked more comfortable, he looked better. Uh, a couple of things with him, and, and you mentioned the system, there's no question. He is so used to sitting back and playing the trap all the time. I don't think you get comfortable in a week or ten days or whatever it's been. I, I think it takes longer than that. I also see him forcing the puck to Phil Kessel an awful lot. And, you know, how many times over the years, Mark, have we seen really good players come to Pittsburgh and they just force the puck to the superstars? It happens time after time again. He's going to have to be more assertive. He's going to have to look to create his own shot. Great players like Phil Kessel, they don't need you to force the puck to them. They'll find the puck. They'll make the right play. So I think Broussard needs to get more comfortable. Um, I think he will. The guy's a really good player. But he hasn't really made much of an impact yet. I think that's fair to say. Shayan jumped up the left wing last night. He's got a bit of the Matt Cullen about him, doesn't he? You know, he does. Um, he's a very useful player. That's my word for Shane. He's just useful. He's not going to score a ton, but you can trust him. He's such a good defensive player. He's so good on draws. Um, and he can play center or wing. And as we always talk about, not all guys can do that. They always say they can. Sometimes they can't. Uh, he can. He, that's why the Penguins tried to get Matt Cullen at the deadline, because they were going to you know, shift Shane over to left wing. They were perfectly comfortable with that. But, um, no, they're using him in a lot of different ways. You're going to see him with Kessel a lot in the third period of games when the Penguins have the lead. And it's kind of like using two defensemen on the power play when they have a lead in the third period. It's just a safety measure they're going to use. And he's just skilled enough and just smart enough of a player where he can play with those guys and not hold them back. So I think he's getting better and better, Mark. He's never going to fill up a stat sheet, but he's a pretty solid player. He gave up Scott Wilson to get him. I think that's a real win for the Penguins in retrospect. Uh, the Penguins play at Toronto Saturday. Toronto won't yet have Austin Matthews. It doesn't look like he, he practiced, but I don't think he's expected to play Saturday. Dallas visits Sunday. But after that, the Penguins play some lesser opposition for a while. Given those circumstances and the current standings, Josh, do you like their chances of winning the division? Uh, you know, Mark, I think I do. Um, and also, the Capitals are out west. They still have to play at the Kings and at the Sharks this weekend. Uh, those two teams are playing really well right now. And quite frankly, the Capitals are not. Uh, Braden Holpe is really struggling right now. He has, in fact, struggled ever since the Penguins lit him up on February 2nd. He's not been the same since then. Um, so the Capitals do have that tough schedule. And the Penguins and Capitals play one more time. It's on Easter Sunday, in fact. And that's in Pittsburgh, where the Penguins typically play quite well against them. Uh, the Penguins' schedule is not that tough. You're right. They got Ottawa the last game of the year. They have you know, games against Detroit and the Islanders, some teams that frankly aren't very good right now. They have a couple of games still against Montreal. So if you look at the schedule and you look at the way these uh, teams are playing, uh, yeah, I, I would give the Penguins the edge to win the division. Not a huge edge but I think they are the favorite as we speak right now. Now, Josh, you're calling from a rest stop. Where exactly is the rest stop? It's on uh, the turnpike, correct? Uh, yeah, I'm in Donegal, uh, not far from Seven Springs. Back. Are you familiar with the movie Something About Mary? Uh, yes, a little bit, sure. Any sign of that going on at the rest stop? 
Um, not at the moment, although I'm not paying that close of attention. I don't want to get too detailed if I do see any signs of that, of course, being a gentleman. And a gentleman you are. Josh, great stuff. We'll see you at the rink on Sunday. <laughs> All right, Mark, you got it. That's Josh Yoey from TheAthletic.com. It's the middle of the day, too, broad daylight. That was a great scene. And uh, Bob McLaughlin, who's going to join me in a minute, he seems to think Danny McBride had a bit part in the rest stop role in Something About Mary. Bob McLaughlin up next. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. The Super Genius, Mark Madden. Super Genius, how you doing? Good. Mace is always a component of any nice day. Thank you for making my day. Yeah, what you said. The X at 105.9. I'm joined down by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Bob, before we talk about the Penguins win, I'm going to see Foreigner tonight at the Palace Theater in Greensburg. I've been informed that the only original member of Foreigner... (laughs) In the lineup, Mick Jones will not be there. I think he just doesn't play the small towns. Should that affect my enjoyment of the show? I don't think it will because you won't be able to tell the difference without Mick Jones's guitar in the mix. Kelly Hansen does a great job singing, and I think at this point people just want to hear the songs. I would agree with that, but if you were looking forward to Mick Jones, then you would probably want Mick Jones. <laughs> yeah, but once you've seen him, you've seen him. I think it's a rather fleeting type thing to, to see the one guy there. It's like Gary Rossington from Skinner, right. who's the only guy left in that band. There's so many bands with just one guy left in it anymore. I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, if you, I mean, you have a great time going to see Zoso and get the lead out and, you know, Led Zeppelin Well, this is stuff. different. I mean, we, we should consider Kelly Hansen's been in Foreigner longer than Lou Graham now. In terms of years, absolutely. Wow, didn't realize that. It's I just remember a, four and a four. It, well, you know what? Now monstrous. that I say that out loud, I'm not sure, but it's it's close. It's close. There should be a giant festival. Every group that has one guy <laughs> left, they should call it the one guy left festival. Uh, big Penguins win last night. Connor Sherry back in the goals with a couple and back on the first line with Sid. Uh, I don't know if it's a new beginning for Connor Sherry, but uh, if he wanted to have even a chance to play himself back into relevance, I think he needed to make the most of the chance he got last night, and he did. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and if he likes playing with Sid, then that's where you put him because he can't contribute when that's all work. And both goals last night, he does seem to fall down a lot. You know, I'd seen that on social media for quite a while and then watching it last night. Um, but if that's what it takes, I'm fine with that. He uh, he had a knack to get to the right spots last night. Uh, he put himself in the play. Uh, he made the right plays, and those were two nice goals. I was hoping he could get the Hattie. But as you and Josh just talked about, if he's streaky, Mark, and this is the beginning of a nice little streak for him, scoring some goals, leave him where he's at, let it work with him and Sid. It would be convenient with, uh, I assume Rust is going to miss at least a few games with what is said to be a concussion that hit into the boards where he kind of clanked his head. Yeah. And uh, Dominic Simone is out as well. I assume Karnarani goes back in the lineup, but uh, I guess they got to call somebody up. Then again, they have not yet, which makes me wonder about the severity of those two injuries. What had, You have all the inside pipelines. Is there any word on Zach Aston Reese? No, and the silence is deafening because here's a guy with an upper body injury. I think it's his shoulder, but I'm not sure. And he's not skating. Guys with upper body injuries usually skate, you know, on their own time, right? away from the team, before practice. There's been no sign of Aston Reese, no hide nor hair, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's concerning. 
um, because he seemed to be, you know, getting a nice little start there, and he seemed to be a nice fit on that line also, uh, being his size and what he's able to do with his hands. So um, I, I like Gensel right now with Sid and with Connor Sherry. I think that it's working, and like I said, if it's streaky, let the streak ride right now. Let them get comfortable again because so many different so many different options for Sid that he's had to deal with over the last few weeks. I think maybe just a little bit of comfort right now would be the right thing. Finally, Bob, I think I talked about this yesterday, but after I'd spoken with you on the show, what was your take on that Antonio Orsini, the high school football player from Upper St. Clair, who's had three concussions, but he's cleared to play. His mother wants him to play. His father doesn't want him to play. The mother and father are divorced. There's some acrimony there. Right. And it's in the courts back and forth as to whether or not this kid can play football. He wants to play. Here's how I would handle it as his dad. I mean, I'm a dad, and I've had to deal with a couple of things um, with the kids. I would talk with him about it. I would talk with the ex-wife about it. I would never let it get into the court system. If the kid wants to play and the doctor agrees with him that he's able to play, I totally understand You know, guarding against another concussion or being careful about it. But if he is cleared to play by the doctor... And if the kid wants to play, and he is 17 years old, just about to be 18, then I step back a little bit and I say, okay, but the next one, we really have to talk about it. Well, no, I think the next one, the doctor determines again whether he should play. I, yeah, but as a dad, I would insert myself again. I wouldn't make the final decision, but I would put a little more gravitas on it with four concussions, depending on how, how they are. I mean, without knowing how they are or you know what his reaction or his recovery has been, there's no way to make an informed uh, comment on this. Bob, I'm just amazed the number of people that we got to call the show yesterday, and I was just on a local sports message board, and people were ridiculing me for saying if the doctor says he can play, he should play, if he wants to, which he does. Okay, the reaction I got on the show yesterday from a few callers, the guy who cleaned bedpans or whatever. No, yeah, the, the guy in the medical profession. The guy who puts people to sleep. I think he has a show on the B team. That runs 24 hours. Uh, so between that call and a bunch of these posts on this message board, people are saying, literally, oh, well, what the doctor says doesn't matter. The kid just shouldn't play. What kind of idiocy is that? I think the doctor should be the sole determining judge. That and the kid, if he wants to play. Now, if the doctor said the kid shouldn't play, it doesn't matter what the kid thinks. But the doctor said it's okay, so why shouldn't the kid play? Am I missing something here? Have we gone that soft as a society? And have we lost our right to self-determination so much that just because, oh, he's had three concussions, everybody knows he shouldn't play? That's what I'm getting. I think what it was yesterday, Mark, it's funny you bring this up because uh, a good friend of mine, often comments on the show and stuff that you know goes on either with you and the callers or something that you said he said last night he understood what you were saying about the dad and being involved in the decision with the kid he thought you came down too heavy-handed yesterday too hard saying that it was just to get back at the mom and stuff like that i think many people just kind of heard that angle of it and took that without listening well, to the f your friend bob and f the guy who <laughs> called yesterday uh bob I'm a child of a broken home, although I did not know my father. I know that back and forth, though, when I hear it. Okay? The dad and mom, this is a fight between them that spilled over onto the kid. Absolutely. I, I don't, up to some point, let me put it that way, up to some point it did. Like I said, if it ever gets to the courts, 
as a father, I'm not letting it get to the court. If the kid wants it that much and he is okay to play from a doctor, the doctor says that. Well, the doctor is the number I'm, I'm one serious. thing. I, I could take you to this goofy message board, which is populated by a bunch of twits, and you could change one letter and that would apply too. Right. And and and, and they're saying, what the I, I swear to God, what the doctor says doesn't matter. He shouldn't play. Well, of course it does. That's like saying what the kid says doesn't matter. You know, you can't just pick one person in this. You have to weigh all of them. I think, Bob, if the kid didn't want to play, he should be forced to play. Right. I mean, look, at least we're not talking about a situation right now where the kid doesn't want to play, the doctor says he can play, and the dad is saying you have to play because the dad wants to live, you know, some of his not found glory. Well, that's true. Dad, mom, dad and mom kind of switched the, the, the more... Uh, Properly held roles for this one, didn't they? Absolutely, they did. And I think that that's part of it. You know why, Bob? Because it's International Women's Day. That's Bob McLaughlin. We ran way over, but it was good stuff. Up next, Pitt fired Kevin Stallings. And boy, in true Pitt fashion, they've just mangled the handling. 1059X.